0: Welcome to Songs and Stories, the not-for-musicians-only music podcast. Well, alrighty. Welcome once again to Songs and Stories. My name is Michael Gaither, and this is podcast episode number seventeen. Songs and Stories 17 has kind of a lyrical sound to it. And appropriately enough we'll be talking with a songwriter in this episode, Texas songwriter Darden Smith. In fact, these next two episodes of Songs and Stories will both be with two very different Texas songwriters. In a couple of weeks we'll be chatting with Patrice Pike, who I met at the Strawberry Music Festival a couple of months ago. Recorded an interview with her. In today's show, we'll be talking with Darden, and I've been a fan of Darden Smith for a long time, and the the thing I like about Darden Smith is the story I often tell is when I first started writing songs about six or so years ago, um, Darden Smith did a co-bill with English songwriter Graham Parker, speaking of great songwriters, at a show at Moe's Alley in Santa Cruz, and I just had a few songs under my belt that were done, and I was at the point where I I was thinking of choruses and half songs and kind of floundering a bit. And during a break, I asked Darden Smith, I said, well, what do you do when you get, you know, like a chorus and a couple of verses or maybe like a bridge and a verse and it doesn't seem to quite go anywhere? Do you have any, do you you beat on it? Do you let it sit for a while? And what do you do? And Darden simply said, just finish it. He said, keep writing crappy songs and eventually you'll get a good one. Now that I've been writing for several years, that just seems painfully obvious. But when you first start and ask out, you ask a lot of basic questions. And, and, and really, I've got a binder full of songs that nobody else will ever see. You know, I might pull a lyric out of it or an idea out of it sometimes. But uh, yeah, you write a lot of crappy songs. You put them aside, and occasionally you get a keeper. I think for any songwriter, there comes a time when you're sort of growing up that you... You discover what a songwriter is. And in my case, it was high school and discovering The Kinks when they were sort of on their, their arena tour phase of their career. Uh, the album Low Budget came out right after Misfits. And I was um, listening one day and I realized, oh wait, one guy wrote all these songs. And I realized that was Ray Davies and I became a big Ray Davies fan. Uh, the same thing happened with with Warren Zevon. In Darden Smith's case, it was Neil Young with the albums Harvest and After the Gold Rush. He talks about that in this interview. There was a he was taking guitar lessons and he f- found the albums, discovered Neil Young, learned the songs, and and kind of went on from there and started writing his own songs. Um, and besides being schooled in you know American songwriters and Texas songwriters in particular. He was a big fan of English pop music. He played the bass. He got really into Elvis Costello and Nick Lowe and Rockpile, and you'll learn about that in this interview as well. Two completely different kind of styles of writing, but I'll let, I'll let Darden Smith talk about that. Before we get to Darden Smith, and again, if I haven't mentioned this earlier, there are podcast notes to go with this show at my website, Michaelgather.com. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L. G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com There's a little section that will say um, Songs and Stories number 17 Notes and there will be some links that go along with this interview that you can look at while you're listening to the the chat with Darden Smith. And before we get to Darden Smith, let's listen to a cut from pretty much my favorite Darden Smith song. And This is the first song I, I heard years ago when I Really didn't know who he was and this song came out, it was kind of a hit and it's really catchy, you know. It's it's a great tune. I never gets I never get tired of hearing it. This is called the Levy Song, and we'll listen to a little bit of this and then we'll go to Don Quixote's music hall in Felton, California, back from July of two thousand seven. Got motorcycles and crowd noises. It'll sound very live. It's yeah, very cool. That's good. So, a little more than so I'm here in the, uh, the green room at Don Quixote's Music Hall with Darden Smith. <laughs> nice to see you. It's a pleasure to be here. Nice to see you. Yeah. And I was uh, I wanted to thank you first this morning on CAPIC for playing my wife's favorite Darden Smith song, followed oh, by my favorite that? Darden Smith song. I think you played um, First Day of the Sun, followed by the Levy song. Right. I love both those tunes. Thank you. Thank you. So that was great. That was a nice interview, too. Yeah. No, it's good. It's always fun to keep it. Yeah. And um, I was going through your bio here, and um, the one thing that struck me was you're talking about, in, the, in your bio, a guitar teacher that taught you the songs to Neil Young's Harvest and After the Gold Rush albums, and that's when you realize that somebody wrote these songs, mm-hmm. which is, I think is an epiphany a lot of people go through. Like, these songs just didn't exist. Somebody actually sat down and put paper to pen to paper and wrote these songs.
1: Yeah, they, you know, it's like as a kid, you don't even put that together. Right. You know? And But it was great. It was not only, like, it was the epiphany, but it was also a, a fantastic uh, couple of records to pick to yeah. teach a kid, you know. It kind of... And so that got me, you know, just down the road, of, going down the road of, of cool songs and, mm-hmm. and shot me down a whole... Uh, down a path of listening to music that was really pretty cool when I was a little kid in this little town in Texas.
0: You're a native, you're a native Texan correct? Yeah,
1: Yeah, I live in Texas. But so, you know, that I went from there to, I think, Four Way Street, you know, and, uh, Leon Russell, uh-huh. Carney was a big record for me when I was a kid. It was uh-huh. the first eight track I ever had. And, uh, yeah, so music like that was really... It, so I put that up against you know country music as well that we sure. listened to. It was like all those things kind of go together in the whole... Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was cool. They are all influenced by a bunch of different people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So when did you discover there was this 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 Texas songwriter thing? And how did you... When did I
1: discover that? Yeah. I, I was in, the uh, like, the seventh grade. Uh-huh. No, it was in, uh, sixth grade, actually. Yeah, And I went to... I used to haul hay with my cousins uh-huh. in this uh, area outside of Austin. Can uh-huh. to bother you? Uh, it might. There's no door there, is there? No, there's no door. Anyway... I'll start over.
0: Alright.
1: So uh, yeah I used to I used to work with my cousins in the summer hall in Hay. Okay. And uh, they live in this area outside of Austin and kind the of country. Uh-huh. And I was up there working with them one summer and they had Willie Nelson's Phases and Stages and uh Red Headed Stranger record uh-huh. and uh Viva Terlingua, Jerry Jeff Walker's Viva okay. Terlingua record. And we played those records, they played those records over and over. And also Freddie Fender. Uh, okay. uh, I'll be there before the next year I'll Falls that album, whatever that was on, maybe it's greatest hits or something anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, they used to play it over and over and over and uh, I just loved Phases and Stages. It was just such an amazing record. red uh, Redheaded Stranger as well, just so sure. incredible stuff and that was v- yeah. Vivital Lingua too, it's like all these cool songs and so I was already playing music and writing songs by that point. How how uh, at that point? I was seventh grade, okay. sixth or seventh grade, I think. And, uh, um, and so I was—I just remember being really struck by Willie Nelson mm-hmm. and uh, by the Jerry Jeff Walker record *Viva Trelingua* and uh, Guy Clark's songs mm-hmm. in particular. And so. Then uh, that was my first real awareness of, of that there was this thing, you know, this like Texas music songwriter thing. And then uh, I moved into from the little town where I grew up. We moved into uh, the suburbs of Houston when I was in the eighth grade, and that was really it was traumatic in one way because it was like this culture shock, farm kid, farm kid moving into the suburbs. Uh, but um, it kick started my songwriting in a huge way because I was so weird that I started writing songs all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, But also, there was a great radio station there called KLOL in Houston. It was this early FM, you know, this would have been in like 76. So
0: we're, we're it was about the same age, so it the yeah, same. Yeah, yeah 76. Yeah.
1: And so, FM was still really amazing and free and open. Right. right. And so, you know, you'd hear they were playing Towns Van Sant and Guy Clark and B.W. Stevenson and Michael Murphy and, mm-hmm. and uh, all these songs John Prine oh, like songs you know okay. cool songwriters on the radio up against this first place I heard Dylan where uh, I was really aware of Bob Dylan sure. uh, from a, uh, a songwriter point of view you know, mm-hmm. I knew him sort of as you know, a cultural icon mm-hmm. kind of thing pop radio kind of thing But um, and also it's where I discovered the Allman Brothers and Marshall Tucker and things like that where it's like this all these different kinds of songs but cool songs you know and and but that that radio station led me to the whole texas singer songwriter thing. and uh, i had the my brother
0: station. i had
1: my brother's driver's license i stole his driver's license when i was about uh, 16 and so then i would sneak into clubs in houston uh to see these guys play i saw, I saw when i was 16 i saw john prine and Uh, Guy Clark and Town I didn't see well yeah I think I did see Town Michael Murphy
0: yeah for a guy who's that age and already writing songs to see those oh it was like everything man it was everything
1: and it was like you know so I actually met Guy Clark when I was 18 in a club in Houston and uh, I was too scared to say anything anyway so yeah that's kind of how it it sort of
0: evolved you know and your bio also talks about um, people like Elvis Costello and Nick Lowe.
1: Yeah, that was later. Yeah. I mean, I was uh, in my freshman year of college, I was, okay. so I was like nineteen. Yeah. And I remember being a party at a party and uh, uh, hearing, watching the detectives. And I don't think I was ever really aware of what uh, even a rag A B was. You know, oh. my friend of mine was at a Bob Marley, but um, I didn't really understand what it was all about. I, I was really pretty much I was pretty myopic in my musical listening when I was in high school I just didn't have that you know I had the like, um, world's most unhip brother as far as music you know his idea of music was Frampton comes alive you know?
0: that was and, my peer group and
1: uh, yeah right. and it was just like it was like really uh, he only bought records that other people had he didn't really explore
0: I think that's probably common because like when I was in high school everything was ACDC Van Halen and Pat Travers right. which I liked but then I went off and discovered Ray right, Davies right. and Dylan and Kind of yeah. on my own, but you, you, the people that you hang out with and what they listen to kind of becomes what you yeah. hear the most.
1: Yeah, and I, I was really different than any of my friends as far as what we listened to because I was into yep. this radio station and I was just some swerving. But uh, uh, in college, I discovered uh, English pop music and Elvis through Elvis Costello and then Rock Pile and uh-huh. The Pretenders. Yeah. And I got way into that. And what really fascinated me about that was... Uh, I played bass as well. I played bass in a okay. band, in a, in like a you know, garage band when I was in high school. The bass lines and in, in the way that... Rock Rockpile mm-hmm. and, and Nick Lowe and Rockpile and the Pretenders especially and yeah. Elvis Costello the bass is this really amazing thing and I noticed this similarity in the swing groove there was a swing there a lot of the, the, there's walking bass lines and all mm-hmm. that stuff and, and the way it rocks and I was just fascinated by the fact, the fact that these people were English but their music was in some ways very similar to the music that I like learned to dance to when mm-hmm. I was a kid you know it's country dances and stuff it's not that different it's just with different pl- where you place the beat and stuff sure. like that and uh, I got really into the uh, Different ways that they told stories. Right. And a story that didn't have to be told in the traditional Texas singer songwriter way. That's,
0: I, was, I think this morning they were talking about that on the radio, mm-hmm. and I wanted to ask you from your perspective. How would how does how does the, the way that Guy Clark or Towns told the story vary from the way Elvis Costello or Nick Lowe would, would, would approach well, material? It's more narrative, it's you know, I don't really know.
1: I, but know, I mean but you, know, you know Towns is the Towns is it was town. a good town. Towns was when you, when towns, was towns, yeah. towns is towns. So sure. his you know, he, Mr. Mud and Mr. Gold is like wow, you know, okay. it's from Mars, you know. Yeah. And Poncho and Lefty, it's very nebby, it's very circular, but yeah. but the sort and, and so he's kind of separate, but but with a Guy Clark song and you know, a traditional Guy Clark song or uh, you know st- stuff like that, it's like the songs. Uh, Stories are told linearly, mm-hmm. told front to back, you know? right. and um, and there's a chorus, that, and it's a real detail oriented. Sure. So it's, it's like a picture painting, real- yeah. like stuff that. Works. Yeah, realistic you picture can painting, and you, can and you could see, and you could they paint a picture in your mind of exactly how they want you to see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm generalizing here sure. because of course Guy did things that were not like that, but uh, that was the way I viewed it. Mm-hmm. And John Prine was something like Sam Stone mm-hmm. and uh, stuff like that. Uh, great compromise. And stuff. Yeah. you know. It's like it's just like there it is. It's the story. It's the you know. It's like the American ballad kind yeah. of story, storytelling, story which is cool. You know, it's really cool. It's really hard to do, actually. Uh, but then English pop music, it's like it's like Nick Lowe wouldn't even give you any details. Yeah. You know, or give, just give you like a sketch of a detail. But then it's built around a hook, a musical hook and a lyrical hook.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: And and you know, sort of the story is in that, and it's like, and the idea of a song. Where the story was at the forefront, it was an implied story, as opposed to, uh, you know, watching the detectives. What's that about? Who who really knows? But it doesn't matter.
0: Right. Because because
1: you get a story, you make a story in your head about it. It's open to interpretation. As opposed to having it it laid out for you. And both ways are very cool. They're just really different. They're really different.
0: I know when I was a kid, I can't recall... How many times I, I, I heard Cruel to Be Kind and Love the Song, but the more I heard it, the less I understood what he was yeah, talking you know, about. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Love the
1: Song. That's fantastic, you know. Oh. And uh, Angels Wanna Wear My Red Shoes. It's like yeah. wow, there's it's a heavy it's a really heavy song, you know. Uh-huh. But it's, and I got really fascinated with the idea of heavy lyrics with a light hearted melody, which is the Elvis Costello uh-huh. you know, trick and Nick Lowe as well, what's so funny about peace, love and understanding, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um and uh, so, but I didn't know how to write that music because I really only knew how to play mm-hmm. a certain kind of music. And then I met this guy Boo Huridine from, right. from England, and we co-wrote songs together. And he showed—he kind of opened it up, like, musically, mm-hmm. like, rhythmically. Stuff that I had inside my head and I'd been absorbing kind of, in some ways, maybe freed me up in some ways. And it blew me out of the water as far as a, where I could go at that point with Storytelling mm-hmm. and songwriting, and, and how to, you know, intellectually kind of go about it right. without getting all,
0: without over trying to overthink it. Too much. Yeah. And so that was. Yeah. I wanted to mention something too. When you when you played here a while back, or actually it was in Santa Cruz a few years ago, you did a co-bill with Graham Parker. Oh yeah, that was a evening. great gig. And um, it was an amazing. And speaking of English songwriters, it was like you and Graham Parker on the same bill. It was great. And um, I think that night I was just starting to write songs, and I, I think I asked you during the break. I said, "What do you do when you get a chorus and maybe one verse, and you get stuck?" And you said, "Just keep writing crappy songs. and Eventually, you'll get a good one." That, that really, to me, that it makes so much sense now. But it just, you just keep writing. It's a craft thing, man. Yeah, it's like you know,
1: making furniture. Really. Yeah, it's, it's it's important, you know, not to look at song. You're not writing the Magna Carta, you know. Right. You're. It's just. Uh, it's just a song.
0: Yep.
1: It, there's nothing. Don't get too precious about it. Right. You can yep. always rewrite it. You can always unwrite it, and uh,
0: you can always stick it in a
1: binder and. Yeah. it's it. like don't worry about it. You know. And, you know. You're gonna write and that's That something.
0: advice for me was great because I, I, after talking to you that day, I got in the habit of if I get stuck, I just you know I plow through, finish it, put it aside, yeah. go on to the next
1: one. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's it's important to remember, remember that songwriting is a craft, you know, yeah. and you have to get in the craft of finishing songs. Yeah. as much as starting songs. Starting is easier. And also, it's like, if, uh, you know, co-writing is a fantastic thing. So you write, you know, you can't finish a song. If I can't finish songs, I take them to somebody else Uh and finish them with them. I do that a lot.
0: I like that quote about songwriting. It's like making furniture. You have to get into the craft and the habit of finishing them. I also liked how Darden said that you're writing songs, you're not writing Magna Carta. Just finish it and move on to the next one Uh, by the way if you've heard any of these episodes of songs and stories I've done a few interviews up at Don Quixote's music hall just so you know when whenever I say we're in the green room at Don Quixote's and we both snicker we're actually sitting out in the front dining hall with the traffic driving by the same thing happened when I interviewed Stevie Coyle a while back but uh, you know it's a cool place the green room is just the dining room outside Um, Again, that's my interview with Darden Smith. I want to thank you for listening to Songs and Stories, episode number 17. Again, check out uh, my website, michaelgaither.com, and look at the the, the notes for this show. There are links to Darden Smith. There are links to Neil Young's Harvest, the chords for Neil Young's Harvest, as well as Elvis Costello's Angel's Want to Wear My Red Shoes if you want to compare the two songs. Um, and if you're interested in more narrative story t- story style songs, my CD, Spotted Mule, and Other Tales, is pretty much all narrative story songs. So have a look, have a listen. There's lyrics on my site, and there's a couple of music players, and you can get a feel for what that's all about. And again, thank you for listening to Songs and Stories. My name is Michael Gaither, and whether you found this episode... On my website, or maybe um, in iTunes, or if you happen to be in Baltimore and you're listening to Grateful Dread Radio on a Friday evening, thanks for your time. The next episode will feature another Texas songwriter, Patrice Pike. That'll be episode number 18. So take a look at my website or subscribe, and you can get it as soon as it's available. If you have any comments about this podcast episode, you can go to my website and leave notes under the podcast show there's a there's a uh, comment button or just send me an email michael at michaelgather.com